So every parent has wanted to ask their children, why are y'all so bad? Right? Why won't you just act right? Come on, parents, come on. You've asked this question, right? You've, you've probably verbally actually said that to your children. Why won't you just act right? See, every parent, sooner or later, is going to have to figure out the deal with discipline. Inevitably, this is going to be an issue that every parent is going to come up against. What are we going to do about discipline? And now the Bible is not particularly interested in how you discipline, but it's very interested in why. And why is so important, and we're going to talk about that today. It's, it's so important because there are some things that as a young parent, you begin to learn that you had no idea uh, about parent about discipline you you had some ideas so here's one thing no one told you about discipline that it this is why this is why how is it doesn't matter because it changes as they get older right did you know that some of you with little children you don't know that yet but one day you're going to wake up and what has been a fail-safe method for years is no longer going to work they're going to laugh at you when they do it when you do it in fact one day it's going to come out of the blue and then there's this other thing that we discovered. So we have four boys, and nobody told us this before parenting, that they, they're all different, and what worked on one doesn't work on the others. Did you, have you noticed that? Like at some point, you're going to look at like the second or third child, and you're going to be like, why aren't you little mean people all the same? I don't get this. Right? It doesn't work on one what works on the other. That's just kind of the way it is. And here's the, here's the thing about discipline. That's so tricky about it in parenting. Everyone's got an opinion on it. There's lots of opinions. I probably had my strongest opinion and had it best figured out right before I had kids. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> like before I had kids, I was like, I'll tell you what I'm not going to do as a parent. Yep. If that was my kid, my boys say that to me sometimes. We'll be somewhere and somebody have this screaming two-year-old. My two-year-old's never going to do that. Okay. Okay. Right? We think we have it all figured out sometimes. And what we don't want to tell our kids, but what every parent knows is true, is that we don't know what we're doing. We're all learning this on the fly. Because all they give you when the, you leave the hospital is a blanket. They don't give you a guide. And even if you're a believer, even if you're a believer, I mean, you're like scratching to try to find the answers in here. Wouldn't it be great if it was like Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, parenting? You'd turn to that book every day. Like, okay, let me get it. But it's not. There are answers in here. We're talking about some of those in the scriptures. But... There's not like a book on parenting. There, there's not like a, a, a clear description on exactly how we're supposed to do it. And most of us don't feel particularly well at how we're doing it, discipline. Sometimes you feel like you're too much of a pushover. Some of you feel like that, right? I'm just so, my kids get away with so much. Some of you feel like I, I'm too hard on my kids. And I, I just, I, I scream more than I mean to. And I, I didn't mean for it to be that way. The truth is, none of us wake up thinking uh, any morning. No parent wakes up and says, today I'm going to be a pushover and let my kids run all over me. Or today I'm going to make my children cry. 
or today I'm going to really yell at my kids. None of us wake up thinking that, but it just sort of happens because life happens. And all of a sudden we just go like, how did I turn into this person? What am I doing wrong? In fact, I saw this meme a couple years ago, and I still believe it's so true that we realize one day we think to our children, you're making it difficult for me to be the parent I always imagined I would be. Like you had in your mind when you, when you had that first baby and, you know, you're adopting that first baby or you're pregnant with that first baby and you imagine how you're going to be as parents and it didn't involve this much yelling. And then all of a sudden there's a lot of yelling and there's a lot of tension and there's a lot of stress and you worry, are we doing this wrong? So here's some good news. Um, you probably knew, figured that you're not perfect, your kids aren't perfect, your parents weren't perfect, and you turned out okay, all right? And I believe that, that your kids can turn out okay too, and you're going to be okay. But I don't want you to just give up on this idea, and I don't want you to just think like, well, I, I'll never figure this out, and they'll be old one day, and I won't have to discipline, and it's just something we have to get through. No, I want you to lean into this because I believe this has serious implications, important implications for their spiritual life later in life, for their walk with God. And there's some practical wisdom that the writer of Proverbs teaches us about it. Now, before we unpack this proverb, let me just say a word to some of you are not parents who are young. You might even be uh, teenagers or college students, or maybe you're single or single again or young and married and, and won't have kids one day, but you have it. Here's what I want to just encourage you. It's not too early to start working and thinking about this, working on this and thinking about it. You need to start talking about this right now if you're engaged, if you're thinking about getting married, if you're young and married, you think we're going to have kids in a year or two, you need to start talking about this right now. What are going to be our values? What are going to be our principles? You need to start looking at some parents and go, that's who the kind of parents we want to be. Or looking at some parents and go, that's not the parent, kind of parents we want to be. And you start having these discussions because one day you're going to be right in the line of fire. And you're going to have that kid and you're going to have that screaming two-year-old and you're going to think about, hey, do we know what our values are in this situation? Now, some of you aren't parents, and, and maybe uh, parenting is just not something that, uh, that you're doing right now. And I would just love for you to pray for parents in this series. Because no bigger investment can we make in the next generation than training and teaching parents. Nothing is more influential to every kid in our kids' ministry right now, to every student in our student ministry, to every kid in our entire community than the influence of their parents the word disciple comes from what? Discipline. So if we, are if we can teach parents how to properly discipline their children, we are helping them raise a new generation of disciples of Jesus. This is really, really important. Now, some of you are grandparents. We're, I'm going to talk to you a little bit later, okay? Because I think you've got an important, important role in this topic of, uh, of discipline. Now, let me say something else about discipline before we really start digging into it. Uh, this can be a hot button issue, right? Because uh, some of you had parents from whom you learned what to do when it comes to discipline. And some of you had parents that you learned what not to do. And can we just be real here for a second? That we have seen discipline, we have seen abuse under the moniker of discipline sometimes. Now, I'm not here to tell you you should or shouldn't spank your child, 
But what I can absolutely tell you is that we abhor abuse. And abuse under the moniker of discipline is never okay with God. Because God's discipline begins and ends and is rooted in love. So let me just kind of give an overarching kind of idea about discipline. And let me just tell you, this is my idea. This is not like um, in the Bible, but I believe it's based on the character of God. And then we're going to dig into this proverb. But this is just something that I found helpful. That is something that I feel like the Lord spoke to me in understanding how to discipline and kind of have the character of discipline uh, in in my family. And these are things that we all struggle with. And so here's what I want to tell you. Don't make an F in discipline. Okay, if you can remember these six things, don't make an F in discipline, that we never discipline out of fury. If you are angry, you are more likely to go overboard, take a chill pill, take a break, mom and dad. We don't discipline out of fury. Don't discipline out of frustration, right? If you're frustrated at something at work, if you're frustrated about something going on in your marriage, don't take it out on your kids, be sure that you're not taking a frustration in life and taking it out on your kids and discipline. Don't discipline while you're frazzled. If you are on the phone, if you are cooking, if you are, uh, if you are working, you're trying to get some work done, don't do it. Here's the thing I live by, I just said, wait so you can investigate. When you're frazzled and you're on the phone, you don't, you're not investigating. Or you're cooking or you're doing something wrong, you're not investigating, wait so you can investigate, so you can figure out the kind of discipline that needs to be done. Don't discipline out of fear. Don't discipline out of fear of what your parents are gonna say, what your in-laws are gonna say, what what your friends are gonna say, what your neighborhood moms and dads are gonna say. No, we don't discipline out of fear. Don't discipline out of fatigue. You ever said something or done something, moms and dads, because you were exhausted? And you later regretted it? Come on. Right? Take a nap. Get a good night. Sometimes you just need to take a good night's sleep and say, we're going to talk about this in the morning. And you figure out if you are as angry about it and upset about it in the morning, or, and if you are, then, hey, that's good. But you're rested. And don't discipline out of famine. You might need to eat a Snickers. <laughs> right? When you get hungry, sometimes you get hangry. And sometimes you just need to say, I'm hungry, I'm, I'm a little ill, so something that might have gotten on my nerve that much feels like it got on my nerves that much, but it might just be we need the cheeseburger right now. So let me just not do that. Now, <clears throat> here's why I say I believe that's based on the character of God. Because the Lord disciplines us. The writer of Hebrews in Hebrews 12 said, the Lord disciplines those he loves. And here's what I know about the best way we can know how to parent is how our heavenly parent, our heavenly father parents us. And when the Lord disciplines us, he never disciplines us out of fury, frustration, frazzled. God doesn't get frazzled, fear, fatigue, or famine. God never disciplines us out of those. God always disciplines us out of love. So the first thing I just want to tell you, just kind of the groundwork of discipline, is that discipline demands love. It demands love. That, because this is the kind of discipline God gives to us. Some of you, have you ever felt disciplined by the Lord? I have. That I just felt like the Lord was disciplining me. And later in life, 
I'm able to look back at that season in life and I can say, I can see the Lord's hand on my life. He was disciplining me. He was chastising me. He was, he was coaching me and he was doing it out of love. It's always clear with God. So a question every parent should ask is when our children look back at this moment years from now, will they say, mom and dad did that out of love? Or will they say, mom and dad were really tired? Or they were really frustrated at work and they took it out on me? Or they were really, really frazzled about something going on in their life and they took it out on me? Or they were afraid of what everybody was going to think, so they took it out on me? Discipline demands love. So this proverb that I want to look at, and uh, for the, a lot of for this series, I'm teaching from the book of Proverbs because it has just these one-liners. That's all Proverbs are, these wise sayings. And it's just this one-liner that you're like, man, if I could get that right, it would totally change how I parented in my relationship with my kids. So this one little line is in, the, is in Proverbs 19.18. So if you got your Bibles at home or you got your app there, open it up. And here you can just kind of leave it open right there on Proverbs 19, 18. We're going to dissect this verse together because I believe it can be really powerful for us. <clears throat> discipline your children. There you go. Right there. Should I discipline my children? Yep, Proverbs says to do it. Discipline your children. For in that, in what? What's the that? Discipline. Right? The, the, the that is the discipline. For in that, in the discipline, there is hope. Do not be a willing party to their death. In other words, if you don't discipline, we can become, we parents can become an accomplice to their future undoing. We can drive the getaway car to their demise. We're, we are not, what, what the Proverbs writer says, moms and dads, we are not innocent bystanders. No, no, if we don't discipline, we're a part of the heist. Like we're driving the getaway car. We, we are a part of the problem. We are a willing party, an active party to their death. Now, let me look a little bit of, I want to look at two words in this, Okay in this proverb. And the first word is that word discipline. It says discipline. What is discipline? Discipline in the Hebrew that is really originally written is this word yasar. It means instructing or correcting. Now this is so important because when you and I often think about discipline, what do we think about? Think about punishment. Right, when you think about how do you discipline your children? Well, we get them to time out or will we do this or whether we take their iPhone away. Ah, right? It's like we took the electronics away. But this, that's what we think about. When we think about discipline, we think about punishment. But the writer of Proverbs says, it doesn't say punish your children. He says discipline them, yasar, instruct them, correct them, teaching them. Discipline is not about punishment. Discipline is about what you are teaching them. And sometimes how you're correcting them. Now, yes, to do that, sometimes you need punishment. So here's what I just want to tell all parents, okay? I just want to encourage you in this. If we are going to decide that we're going to instruct our children, we are going to correct our children, we are going to teach our children, we need to make a really important decision as parents, okay? So moms and dads, I want you to just agree to make, we're going to make a decision. And here's the decision you're going to have to make. You're going to have to decide that you aren't that bothered if your kids don't like you. 
You're going to have to decide that your kids might not like you. You're going to have the courage to not be liked by your kids. Because I'm going to just tell you something. Sometimes they're not going to like what you're teaching them. They're not going to like how you're instructing them. They're not going to like how you're correcting them. They're not going to like the punishment. And guess what? They're not going to like you. They're not going to like you. So if we're going to do discipline, if we're going to teach them, we're going to have to make the decision that sometimes they won't like us. You're going to make the decision that you're not going to be your kid's friend. They're going to have lots of friends. They don't have lots of parents. They got you. So make a decision that it might be true that for a while, for a season, for years, they just don't like you. Okay? Going to have to make that decision. So, okay, we're going to do it. We're going to instruct them. We're going to teach them. But what's the curriculum? Right, what's the curriculum? What, how are we going to teach them? What are the rules? Like you could say, okay, but what are the rules of what we're going to teach them? Well, the writer says, for in that there is hope. Do you remember that? Discipline your children for in that and there's hope. Now, when you and I think about hope, we often think about a future expectation, that that's what hope is. We are hoping for something in the future. But the word here for hope is really interesting. It's the word tikva. And, it's the, it, and, and the root of the word means a, a, to bind or a rope or a cord. It's actually the same word that is used in the story of Joshua and Caleb going to the promised land, and they come across this lady named Rahab, and they tell her to put a tikva, put a rope, she hangs outside the window. So the idea here is that we are giving them, discipline is giving them a rope. It's giving them something to hold on to. Because they're trying to climb through life. They're trying to make a climb through life. It is teaching them, because here's what's going to happen. It's teaching them that there is something secure. There is something you can hold on to. There is some truth that you can hold hold on to that is attached to something greater. And when you are making the climb in life, when you're making the climb in life, here's what kids are going to be tempted to do. Well, I'm going to climb over here. You better hold on to that rope. Hold on. Because if you climb, if you're, hold, if you're not holding on to this rope and you're just free climbing through life, you, listen, you don't want to do that because you could fall. This is something you can hold on to. Now, the other thing that happens is we can kind of, they'll either just climb on their own or they'll start holding on to something else. They'll start holding on to another truth, an- another uh, thing that they think is right. And they'll start going over here and they go, ooh, I'm going to climb on this one. I like this one. That one's colorful. That's pretty. And you're like, nope, nope. This is the rope you need to hold on to. Discipline isn't about punishment. Discipline isn't about uh, about just getting onto them. Discipline is about reminding them that there is something sure, something steady, something secure that they can hold on to as they are making their climb through life. And that it is a dangerous world when you start free climbing and it's a dangerous world when you start choosing something else to hang on to. So if you're going to decide, well, okay, I want to teach my kids, I want to discipline them, then that means I've got to decide what this is. What is this hope, this tikva, this rope that I'm going to have my kids cling to? 
You see, because discipline depends on right and wrong. Did you ever have friends growing up that their parents didn't really have a right and wrong and it was just like anything goes at their house? Their house was the best house to go to, right? Because, I mean, they didn't believe in a right, they didn't have a right and wrong. So just whatever went. If you don't have a right and wrong, if you don't have something sure, something secure, then you just whatever, you know, whatever goes. So here's what you and I have to decide. What determines your right and wrong? What is your tikva? What determines your right and wrong? Now, this isn't always about behavior and punishment. We often think about it that way. You're going to have right and wrongs. You're going to have this, these sure things in your family that you just decide are values in your family. This is about setting up a culture in your family. Those are disciplines. They're teachings. They're instruction. It's not always like you make a mistake and I'm going to correct you. It's also about teaching their instruction. You're going to have values in your family. So for us, we have a few. Um, we eat dinner around the table and the TV is turned off. And we're, nobody's looking at their phones at the table and the TV's off. We usually have some worship music on. Now, we only get to do this about two or three nights a week because our boys are so busy and they've got sports and stuff. But if we're all home, this is what we're going to do. we got another one in our house. Our boys' phones and iPads go on our dresser in our room at night. They charge in our room. Now, there's nothing like biblical about that. That's just kind of our values. Those are disciplines. They are setting a culture in our family that say this is the way we do things. You, every family is going to have those. You're going to have to figure out how are we going to navigate. Like there's no biblical value about the curf right curfew time for your kid. You're just going to have to figure those out, right? But here's what I think can happen. Sometimes on those what I call secondary issues, we can get in trouble because we can make them primary issues. And they become the primary thing. And we actually can end up creating this own little secondary tikva that we concentrate on more than the main thing. And sometimes that's community values, societal values, neighborhood values. Sometimes it's family tradition. Sometimes it's your reputation. So when I was a senior in high school, um, I played high school football. And here's what y'all need to know. I grew up in a really tiny town. Very tiny. My high school graduating class had 150 people, okay? Small town, very, uh, I grew up in a conservative Southern Baptist church that I loved. They taught me the Bible. I love it. So many great Sunday school teachers and pastors and children's pastors and youth pastors. So pretty conservative. But my senior year, I was a pretty good kid. I was real involved in youth group. And, but I really wanted to have long hair coming out the back of my football helmet, yeah, this is what I really wanted, okay? And uh, I wanted to dye it blonde like Ric Flair. So, yeah, come on, yeah. Nature boy. And uh, now, you, got, you understand, my daddy, like all his like, high school, college pictures, he's got a crew cut. He's got a crew cut. I mean, this is not the way anybody did it. The, the kids that had long hair grew up on the wrong side of town, Right? So, I, listen, I'm going to trust you with my heart here, okay? Can I trust you with my heart? Okay, I'm going to show you 1994 Carter with his, his uh, football picture there. Come on there, yeah. 
Business in the front, party in the back, right there. Yeah, blonde locks. And I knew my daddy hated this, okay? He hated this, but he, he let me do it. And uh, I remember one Friday night after a game, and uh, somebody in our church, we were all kind of walking off the field, parents would come see us, and somebody in our church um, made a snide comment about my long hair. And my daddy there was walking beside him. And daddy said, you know, we kind of like it. And I knew at that moment that my daddy's relationship with me was more important than his reputation. Could he have made me get a haircut? Absolutely, he paid the bills. <laughs> but a relationship with your son is a biblical value and a haircut's not. So what, what, is, what, is, what is this? The writer of Proverbs would say the hope, the line to hold on to, the thing to cling to, is the word of God. And what if parents took seriously this took seriously the idea that we are going to have, we are going to discipline our kids, we're going to instruct our kids, we're going to correct our kids, not so much on these secondary values that have to do with societal norms and cultural norms. We're going to discipline them. How, how much would our world change if we did that? How much would the divisiveness change in our world if Christian parents disciplined their kids to love others as Christ loved us? How much would abuses be stopped in the future if Christian parents disciplined their kids to honor and respect everyone because we are all made in the image of God? How much future racism would be stopped if Christian parents would discipline their kids whenever their kid says something disparaging about someone who looks different than them but is someone for whom Christ died? What would be stopped in the future if we would get serious about Christian discipline? And we can get so sideways on all this other junk that we worry about and frankly that we argue about and that my wife often reminds me, pick your battles. My boys wear a baseball hat and a t-shirt to church every single Sunday. Every single Sunday. And I could give a rip what they wear to church. But I'll tell you what I care about and that I will 100% discipline them on, is that they are going to be boys that love their neighbor as themselves. They're going to be boys who come to serve and not to be served because Jesus came to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. They're going to be boys that aren't just hearers of the word but are doers of the word. They are going to be boys who are lights of the world and salt of the earth. And I could give a rip if they know how to wear church clothes on Sunday. I want them to be clothed with Christ and be the church on Monday. And if we get this wrong, if we get this wrong, parents, our kids will resent our faith because we discipline them on secondary stuff instead of the thing that matters the most. Now, grandparents, let me say a word to you. You can undergird or undermine the discipline from parents. 
You can under, so here, let me say what this is. Will one piece of candy after eight o'clock to the four-year-old when they visit your house hurt them? Probably not. Will a piece of candy after eight o'clock every time they visit your house? Maybe. Because you're undermining some of the values that mom and dad had. And here's what, here's what I want to tell you. Some of you say, well, listen, I got a different, I'm climbing this one and my, my, kid, my adult kids, my, they're not even believers. I'm not telling, them, you, telling you you can't pray with them at grandma's house. I, th- you absolutely should. But you will not win the hearts of your adult children by undermining the discipline that they have set for their children. You will not win their hearts. If you will undergird the values that they have set in their families, you are going to win more influence with your adult children. So if mama says you take a bath at 7.30 and go to bed, just give them a bath at 7.30 and put them to bed like mama says and undergird what she wants. Don't undermine what she wants. Now, why is this so important? Remember what the original verse said? Discipline your children, for in that there is hope. Do not be a willing party to their death. And we're sitting there going like, I mean, really? Death? Is that it? Listen. Listen. Here's what it means. Proverbs 16, 25. There is a way which seems right to a man, but in the end, its way leads to death. James 1.15, when sin is accomplished, it brings forth death. Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death. What this is saying is that there is a path to life. There is a rope to hold on to, and his name is Jesus. And in him is hope and purpose and a future and righteousness and redemption, the life that is truly life. And Jesus said the life more abundantly. And this is so important. And if you won't, can't teach them, if you can't teach them to hold on to this and don't get too far away, away from that thing, if you can't teach them to do it, listen, you're setting them up for death. All the other paths lead to death and you're afraid that they won't like you and you're afraid of what your mother-in-law will say and you're afraid of what your friends will say. Who cares what they will say? This is the path that leads to life. So correct them while you can to prepare them for when you can't. So that one day... (laughs) When they get to college or they're 25 and they start climbing over here, that they can see that that rope in their peripheral vision. And they've been trained their whole life. Let me grab back hold of Jesus. Because every time I wondered, every time I veered, daddy and mama always put that cord back in my hand. And I'm not going to get too far from it. This is ultimately about authority. That's what discipline is ultimately about. Authority. Because your children, when they leave your house, will have to learn that they're under the authority of local officials. They're under the authority of school administrators. They're under the authority of a boss. They're under the authority of regulatory practices. They're under the authority of maybe a board. But ultimately, they're under the authority of God. Our entire faith is rooted in the belief that there is a power in the universe and I'm not it. That there is a God, an almighty, and I'm not him. I am a man under his authority. 
And no matter what I think is true or right and wrong, there is a cord of truth that runs through the universe. And it's our only hope. And Mom and Dad, if you won't teach them that, then who in the world will? Correct them while you can to prepare them for when you can't. Heavenly Father, thank you for the gift of children. Lord, I would just confess as a father myself, I get this wrong so much. We are so imperfect, Lord, but we invite you to clean us up, forgive us, and teach us a better way. And Lord, as we sang and prayed today, we make room for you in our parenting, in our families. And I want to pray for moms and dads in this room, Lord, that as they seek you, that they would put this cord, this hope, at the center of their families, rooted in the truth and the word of God, tied to Jesus. In his name we pray, amen. Well, no matter if you 